hello and welcome to Pod on the Dog episode 13. A big thank you to Natural Instinct for sponsoring this podcast. Did you know that feeding your dog a raw diet has never been easier? No faffing around with blending veg and ensuring your dog is getting a balanced diet containing all the vitamins and minerals that they need. Because Natural Instinct has pre-prepared portions whether you have a big dog or small. They're packed with everything that your dog needs for a healthy, balanced diet. Just enter discount code VERITY15 at the checkout to receive 15% off. I'm your host, Verity Hardcastle, and you can find me at Verity Hardcastle on Instagram to follow all the latest shenanigans in dogdom. So on to my guest. This well-known speaker absolutely loves a poodle and sharing her grooming tips and tricks. She is best known for her gorgeous spirals. And although she resides in far sunnier climates, she often dons her waterproofs to speak at UK events, which are always brilliantly attended. This is the queen of carving, dog hair that is, not Sunday roasts, It's Isabella Doblis-Jones. <laughs> so hi, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. Hello, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, how did it all begin for you? Who was your first dog? Well, let me see. Um, my first dog, it, he wasn't really my dog, right, okay? He was, he was the dog I learned about dogs on. Where I learned grooming was in a mm. standard poodle kennels in Lingfield in Surrey in the south of England. When I was 13 years old, I went out on my bike one day, you know, 6 o'clock in the morning, I went off on my bike looking for a job with horses because, you know, 13-year-olds in that area wanted to, Horses, loved horses. Yeah. My passion were horses. Mm-hmm. I live next to a race course as well, Lingfield Race Course, which is very famous. Fabulous. So I wanted to work with horses. I wanted to ride horses. My mum didn't buy me a horse. I wanted to ride horses. So I went off looking for a job in the stables one weekend. Mm-hmm. And I stopped in the door. I saw a big mansion. I thought, God, she must have horses. So I stopped. And I knocked on the door and I could hear, I like, Thousands of dogs barking. I thought, oh, my God. I didn't know whether to run or whether to stay. Yeah, yeah. I thought, I'm off. You made the right. Oh, you made the right. Yes. Because it was really early and I could hear all these dogs. I thought, oh, God. So while I was getting my bicycle, this this lady called me from over a big gate, a wooden gate, over the top of the gate. She was saying, what do you want? I was like, oh, good morning. Um, (laughs) I'm so sorry if I've disturbed you. I love yeah. it, the, sweet, the sweetest nurse, like, oh, hi. Yes. <laughs> sorry. Um, and she asked me, she said, well, can I help you in anything? I said, well, not really, but do you have horses? No, I don't have horses. I have dogs, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> she was but, definitely a poodle lady. Yes, and I wasn't interested in dogs at all. Honest to God, I wasn't at all interested in dogs. So she said what do you want? I said, I want to work with, have you got, can I help out with the horses? She said, no, I don't have horses. So I said, she said, but you could help out with the dogs. I've got lots of dogs and I need help. She had a boarding kennel. Mm. It's called Little Orchard Dom Cat Hotel, which is still open. And so she said, yeah, I can pay you. And I thought, right. Mm. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Cha-ching. This will pay for my riding. I was thinking of working with horses, you know, just to ride them, not thinking at all about being paid. So she said she'd offer to pay me. So she opened the gate and it was like a misty, very early misty morning. It was about 7.30 in the morning. Really misty, you know, typical English misty morning. So I walked in the gate and I saw like these six or seven black shadows coming towards me, barking. And I thought, oh, my God. And honest to God, they look like gorillas. Mm. I get that a lot, actually, from people. They look like gorillas, you know, with the mist and Mm. everything. They came towards me in their continental clips. And I'd never seen one before in my life. Never, ever. I didn't even know what they were. I was sort of petrified. Mm. And they sort of all came up to me, jumping on top of me. You know what they're like. Yeah. Oh, my God, oh, my God. And she said, don't worry. They said, you've got to look after these. And I thought, oh, my God. So that's where it all started. And I spent about two years watching her groom them, cut them, show them. And she wouldn't allow me to wash one. I was dying to do one. You know what I mean? It really got to me that. And I was sort of in another world when I went there. Um, I slept there over the weekend. She was like my second mother, right? I would have loved to have her like a mother. 
right? Yeah. I'm not being horrible, but not everybody has a good relationship with them, right? Yeah, I, I understand. I wanted her to be my mum. I, I adored her. I, I admired her. I was, oh, my God, I was obsessed with her, this lady. Yeah. So after two years, she said, Isabel, okay, I'm going to give you a dog and you can bath it, brush it, do what you want with it. And I thought, oh, my God. I was about 14, 14 and a half. I thought, oh, shit, what can I do? She said, right, Toffee, it was a little, like, miniature brown poodle. Mm. Old, bowy legged and, you know, fat and all that. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, oh, yeah, wow. <laughs> she said, come on then, do her. And I said, okay, you're going to help me? She said, no, you've been watching me. For yeah, I was going to say, you've been watching it for two years. You should know what to do. But when it came down to the point, she, she just closed the door of the grooming salon and walked out. And she said, when you're finished, call me. Wow. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like, oh, my God. You know, I was frightened. I, was, I didn't know what to do. I didn't, know, I didn't even want to touch this dog. I thought, oh, my God. Well, I did it. I bathed her. I dried her. And mm. I scissored her, brushed and combed her. And I thought she looked. I was quite proud of myself. I thought, oh, my God, I did it. Oh, my God, I did it. It sort of came naturally, you know what I mean? Well, wow. so I called her. This was after about five hours. Obviously, yes, of course. So I let the dog down every half an hour because she was so old. She couldn't stand up, so I let her down every half an hour. Yeah. And so uh, when I called her, she came in and she said to me, she looked at it up and down and she said, that's not finished yet, darling. <laughs> <laughs> You were like proud as punch, like, look what I did. So I said to her, so what do I need to do better? She said, think. Look at her and think. And I was just, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I did. I looked at her and I thought, well, maybe those ears need to be leveled. Maybe those ears need to be brushed better. So I spent another two hours doing it, doing it, doing it. She came in and she said, well... She's still not ready, but as she's an old dog, we're going to leave it here. You've done a fantastic job. Okay, nice job. Well done, right. She was a very, very, you know. um, So when I finished her and I put her down and she was walking out with her tail and then walking around, I was really proud of myself. I was only about, Mm. I wasn't even 14 then. You were so young, yeah. So after that day, well, I helped her bath the standard poodles, the, the show poodles. I went to Crass with her. <coughs> she was friend of Leslie Howard. We went one year with, to Crass and she won the best in show with a little brown toy poodle called Hazel. Graco's Hazel. Hazelnut. <laughs> and that was a year. That was, wow, that was a year when that little toy poodle won Crass. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was part of it. And that's where it all started, Verity. And since then, it hasn't stopped. It you hasn't. Got, you stopped. got the bug. Yeah, yeah. It was sort. It, it just went into me. It was just something that came to me as soon as I saw it. And mm-hmm. I didn't even like. Well, I did like all animals, but I wasn't interested in dogs. But now I, I've lived with dogs all my life. All my life, I can't live without them. Maybe Obviously, you just haven't had that time with them, though. Yes, before. and sometimes I sit and cry because it's too much of a tie. And obviously I could do more things if I didn't have dogs, obviously. Um, I'd have more freedom. Um, but then I put it on a balance and I think, no, I'd rather come home to a house full of dogs than an empty house. Mm. They are with me 24 hours a day. You know, they're, they're there all the time for me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I owe them. They give us so much. I mean, so I'm exactly the same. I, I can totally resonate with that because they do. I I love my you know my dogs as well. They do. They're amazing. They do. But poodles are bloody yappy things. You know what I mean? Oh God! Sometimes they get to my nerves. I've got a tiny little poodle, toy poodle called Manuela. She's a little teacup poodle, but because a growth stopped when she was about seven months old, she had a brain damage. She fell down the stairs and she knocked her head. And oh, and since then, and you know what? She's now 11, and I thought she's not going to live much. God, she's the worst dog in my household. She's a <laughs> bitch. Oh, my God, because you know she can get away with it because yeah. she had 
epileptic fit. She's the dainty little baby. Yeah. You know what oh, I mean? Mama's little baby. Of course. So she does whatever she wants. And yeah. I'm frightened of tending her off just in case she has a, a fit. You know what I mean? And I'm thinking, oh, my God, no, I'm not turning her off anymore because she's going to have a fit. She's going to have a fit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've she just got... what she wants. <laughs> I've just got a toy yeah. poodle. She's, because um, I've got miniatures, so I've got a toy poodle now. She's five months old and already she stands in my garden with the stance, you know, her, her front legs far apart. <laughs> and if she can hear a dog barking, yeah. you know, a mile away, she's there giving it rock all in the garden. I mean, they're worse than the, the standard poodles. They're a lot worse because they're so small. You know, they've got to defend themselves beforehand. You know what I mean? They've got to be there beforehand. <laughs> but my man one is like that. She's tiny. She's got no teeth. <laughs> and they all respect her. They all respect her. And she's got no teeth at all. Yeah, she's like, watch you. I might, I might give you a good gumming. Yes. Yeah, and it's just so funny to see her. But That's yeah, they cute. do rule our lives. I must admit, they do rule our lives. So obviously, you were born in the UK, in the north, Liverpool. Yeah. Um, what prompted the move to Spain? Well, my father's Spanish. Okay, well, he was Spanish. Um, my mother is Irish. My mother moved from Dublin to Liverpool, and met my father. Um, and my father, when he was about, I'm talking about, oh my God, 30 odd years ago when I moved mm. to Spain, I was 16. Oh, right. Gosh. My father had been operated three times, heart, open heart operation. So the doctors told him that he had, didn't have much life left. Mm. So he, obviously he wanted to come back to his country. He wanted mm-hmm. to, to spend time here and die here. Mm. So I wasn't at all happy with it. I was 16 um yeah you've got friends and I wanted the kennels I wanted to I wanted to stay in the kennels I didn't want to come to Spain at all Mm. my mother had terrible problems with me I used to run away from home I had terrible problems right um my father was an alcoholic yeah and oh yes he used to batter me I've forgiven him for it um so when we came to Spain obviously I was I was just totally depressed Mm. and I started drinking red wine you know the carton red wine I was only 16 and I used to drink all day I was just drunk all day um but that was a a moment in life when I was 16 I left home yeah I left home I never went back (laughs) I just left I spent about two days living in the street two or three days living in the street until my husband picked me up that's where I met my husband in the street. He found oh, right, me. Really? Yes. Um, you really had to grow up really young. Oh God! Yes, yes. Um, but in the long run, it's done me good because now I'm a, a wise person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and you're I'm, like you're tough. No, well, I'm not wise. I'm stupid. Yeah, I'm tough. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can be stupid sometimes. You know. So. No. <laughs> No, because I don't mature. I'm like a young girl all the time. I don't mature. My daughter's always saying to me... It's great to have that effervescence. Like, well, my daughter always you. Mother, when are you going to mature? I said, fuck off. I said, never. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she's like an old woman. She was born an old lady, my daughter. You, When you see my daughter, she's got nothing to do with me. She's totally the other way to me. I. Mm. And she looks after me. She tells me what to do and what not to do. Don't smoke anymore. Don't drink. Don't Because she doesn't smoke. She doesn't drink. Oh, my God. It's a nightmare every time she comes. <laughs> I didn't smoke in my own house. You, but, you brought her up well, though, obviously. But it has made me grow up quickly because my first kid I had when I was 17, Pablo. Mm. And, well, actually, when I left home, when I was I'm going to go back because I've skipped a, a chapter oh my god if I'm boring you just tell me no I'm I'm absolutely engrossed and <laughs> um, I've skipped a chapter when I left home um I found a job in a in a vet clinic Um I just walked in and said do you need a groomer I did, had no idea of grooming I only know how to prepare show standard poodles or that's all I knew how to do yeah well um, you need a groomer you know yeah and so this man said to me, yes, we'll try you out. So he put me into this tiny little two square metered room, you know, no window. 
what in those days the groomers were just you know um what do you call them in english i mean i've even seen the transition um myself from i've been grooming 11 years but when i started you didn't have these fancy salons like you have now Oh, no. Well, you can imagine it took 30-odd years. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) You're in the cupboard, Harry Potter. (laughs) I'm not talking about England. England was far more forward than Spain. So Mm -hmm. when I got to Spain, I saw that there was nothing, nothing. He didn't have anything in this room, nothing, just a a wooden table and a hand hairdryer and a pair of rusty scissors. He didn't even have a pair of clippers. I thought, my God. So... The first day was terrible. I didn't even speak Spanish because my father hadn't taught me Spanish. So um, he asked me how old I was. I said, and I was 16, right? So I said, oh, I'm 18. Yeah, obviously. Right? But I did look it. So right, I got in there and I started on my own and I started sort of shaving dogs with scissors because they didn't have a clipper. So I had to sort of cut them like it with a 7F, but with scissors. Very <laughs> right? short. Really short. And, and with rusty old scissors so that's where I got all my practice from really from the beginning I started with scissors not with the clippers okay so every everything is a luxury item now from that rusty pair of scissors I I could have bought myself a pair of clippers but I didn't have the money to buy them and the vets Mm. wouldn't buy them for me so I thought right so I was about two or three months doing them with scissors until I could get myself a clippers um and it was okay it was okay I spent about it was after a year, he said he wanted to do, do me a contract. And I was really happy. So when I gave him my identity card, he saw how old I was. Oh, my God. He went bonkers. He went bonkers. He says, you were only 16. And I said, well, yeah. But I did look 18, didn't I? And he just sort of said, oh, my God, I can't even do your contract. So he did me like a student contract, you know, that I was learning there. Mm. Um, and I spent three years there, and then I worked in another vet. I started working in about five or six vets at the same time. I used to go one day to one, next day to another, and that's where I got my experience, which is very important. You know what I mean? Um, you must earn your experience before you open your own salon. Yeah. Nowadays, everybody, you know, they do, of course, they've got a few certificates, and they think, wow, I can open my own salon now. No, I always you did, you did the boot camp. I always advise people to work somewhere first, get a bit bit of experience, you know, handling clients, mm. um, and gaining speed in your work as well. Because if you're going to open up a shop and you can only do two or three jobs a day, you're going to end up closing, obviously. So I was going to, there's going to be some tough lessons and some bumps for sure. Very, 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 very. So grooming then, I mean, obviously you eat, sleep, you love it. You've made a career out of it, but why do you find it such a fulfilling career? Um, because it's my passion, Verity. When, while I'm grooming, nothing else matters. Mm. You know what I mean? I'm Nothing else like mm-hmm. um, I'm in my own world. Mm-hmm. And I forget about all my problems. I forget about everybody. I concentrate on what I'm doing. And I just love it. I just love it. And I, I love also a very matted, smelly dog. I like to make them feel good. You know, that's the best feeling. Yeah. Right? But I've done that all my life. You get a bit bored of it. Like, I get bored of doing standard breeds, standard breed trims, schnauzers, bedlingtons, terriers. They're all boring. I get mm. bored of it because it's all the same. So I like to do different things. You this know is what when I mean? you start thinking outside the box. <laughs> exactly. God, you know, you've got to. You've yeah. got to. It just gets boring well it does for me anyway so I'm passionate about what I do so every time I do a dog I want to do something different on it or something that will make me feel good you know and that's what I do now I mean obviously I've been through it all we've all had to shave German shepherds and golden retrievers and you know we've all done that in our lives yeah um but it's come to a point in life where I really do enjoy grooming now yeah, that's so good. Yes. 
Yeah. When you you've when you've got bills to pay, you've got to gain a clientele, you've got to well, you don't enjoy it so much because it's, well, it's the daily grind, work. isn't it? Then? Lots of jobs. Yeah, you've got lots of work to do. Um I've done it. Um but when I decided to close my salon, when was it? Seven years ago. Because I had too many seminars, I couldn't do salon and seminars. Because I had to be in my salon. Mm. I if I wasn't in my salon, the clients just wouldn't leave the dogs. Yeah, it was awful. Yeah, I'm, I'm like that. I find it difficult to. I can't trust anybody with my clients or my clients' dogs, and that's me. I'm like that. So um, if it, I think that if it helps you to sleep better at night and everything, oh God, that, yeah. was the, that was the right decision to make for you, so you can branch out and do all these yeah. different things. So I thought, right, I've I've had a salon. I've been working as a groomer for years and years and years. I've done it all right. It's time now to travel. There's always a moment in time in life for, for everything, right? Mm. And you've got to know when it is. You, you've got to read the signs, right? And I thought, oh my God, I've got all these seminars. I can't. I can't. I can't. And I thought, God, I'm going to miss out going to Australia. I'm going to miss out this. I'm, Fuck it. <laughs> so yeah. I thought, right, I'm closing. That's it. I'm closing. Yeah. The universe had a new path for you. Yes. Yes. And it's been wonderful. Honestly, Verity, mm-hmm. I, I would never have thought in my whole life that I would have traveled to all the countries I've traveled to. Yeah. I didn't even want to travel. I was happy at home with my dogs and my grooming. You know what I mean? <laughs> um I was never interested in traveling. And my first seminar outside Spain sort of thing was in Costa Rica. Wow. And I thought, shit, where is that? <laughs> and it, I'd be the same, getting my own, just took off my globe. <laughs> and I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And then from then, it just, it just came one after another, one after another. Wow. And they, I get invited every year to the same places, every year, to Australia, to America, to Canada, to France, Polonia, I've been invited, God, God knows many times. And it's just amazing. It's just amazing how my life has changed. I've never had many friends because I'm very direct. I'm very, um, if you are my friend, you'll be my friend and I will do anything for you, right? But don't, nowadays, you, when, how can I explain it? When you're a, a known groomer or when you're a known, well-known person, Everybody thinks they're your friend, okay, or want to be your friend, but only because of that. Yeah. So I'm very, I don't trust anybody. Any, I, honest to God, I don't trust anybody because this is an industry where you get stabbed a lot, a lot, okay? Yeah, the, there is a bit of... Um, oh, it's there awful. Is, it's there disgusting. Is, there is a bit of politics that goes on it's in our disgusting. industry, isn't there? It's disgusting, right? Um. But it's always jealousy. It's always people that really can't be like you are or haven't got the life you've got. But you know what? That's life. You know what I mean? Um, I, I, I don't trust anybody, but I'm not horrible to anybody either. You know, I always give them a chance. Yeah. Um, but I need to feel that person. I need to feel the energy of that person. Which has been so hard at the moment with the pandemic, hasn't it? I'm very spiritual. I know when a per- when somebody is not good or when somebody is toxic just by standing next to them sometimes. Mm. So that's a problem as well yeah. because that closes many doors for me. Because <laughs> you're anyway. just like, boom, I'm done. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, all I've done in my life, I've done it myself. I've never needed anybody. That's mm-hmm. my problem as well. I find it difficult to ask help, you know. But, but I think a lot of this, like... <laughs> I mean, obviously I'm not a counsellor, but you talking about your early years and then like how you are now, I think, I think it's quite obvious, you know, with your upbringing and everything that happened with your mum and your dad, why, why you are, how you are. I don't know. For good or bad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like to see the good in everybody really. Mm -hmm. But if I get a strange feeling, that's it. So you think with our job, we do have to be massive energy feeders. I think a really good groomer is somebody who can pick up on energy. Like Exactly. Especially I can feel the energy on a dog and those micro movements and things like that. And I think if you can 
If you can understand that, then you've got That's it. That's it. You've got it. Energy is very, very important. Very important. Sometimes we don't realise it. Or we, some people don't even know what that is. You know what I mean? Mm. There's so many thick heads in this industry <laughs> <laughs> that we've got to deal with. But, um, yes, the energy is the most important part of this job. Okay. Mm your energy and you having good energy because a dog knows it knows when you've got good energy when you've got bad energy when you're a weak person when you're angry when you they know it Mm. as soon as you put your hands on them yeah they feel it yeah okay and I'm always telling groomers you know control your energy control it because if you're stressed and nervous and the dog feels that he's going to get stressed and nervous Mm. um I'm a very calm person, very calm, very calm. Yeah. And this is maybe why it's not the career for everybody. No, of course it isn't. No, no. You know what I mean? There's groomers out there that are very nervous and have got very, very toxic energy. And every dog they do are nervous. And they say to me, God, every dog I do, they're all nervous. Why are they nervous? Because you're nervous. Yeah. Okay. It's like when a dog comes to you and the owner says, God, nobody else has been able to groom her before. Because nobody else has had that good energy Mm -hmm. to control that dog, to make it feel good. And we were talking about obviously being in the present, you know, you feeling like you're in the present when you're grooming a dog. And I think that it's really important to take that into grooming as well, because every time that dog gets on your table, the dog doesn't remember what happened last time. The dog's not bearing grudges and neither should you just be in the present, try and enjoy the process as if it's fresh every time with, you know, with a good head on your shoulders. Exactly. Exactly. And common sense. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So talk talk me through your spirals and the carving of the hair that you do into these shapes and these amazing delicate objects that you create. How did this start? Obviously, we know that you got bored. Did you just pick up some scissors maybe after eating a twister and just a light bulb went off and you just thought, I mean, it's pretty far removed from breed standard, isn't it? It is. It is. Look, I was asked to try um, a new dye that came out on my dog. So I thought, right, I'll try it on my... Elvis, my standard poodle. So I dyed in completely yellow, very <laughs> yellow, and I thought, oh, my God, looks weird. What can I do to sort of – so I was thinking, I was thinking, I was thinking, and really I don't know how it came to me, but I thought, right, I'm going to do a spiral. It took me hours, honestly. It took me, I don't know, I think it took me like six hours to do, and I thought, God – but I was really proud of it. It was my first spiral. It was a mess. But I was very proud of it. It looked really good with the yellow dye. And I thought, well, yeah, now that dye looks better. Mm. Um, because you've got a bit of carving there that will make it look softer, you know, the colour. And it just came to me, really. It just came to me. And then from that spiral, everybody said to me, God, do another one, do another one. And I'm right. So I did another one, I did another one. Until... Everybody asked me to do them in seminars. It got yeah. really, it got really too much. You know what I mean? For me. Because every seminar to a spiral is not easy because, like I said, it's time consuming. Mm-hmm. The dog's got to have a good coat. You've got to be concentrated. But apart from that, it's boring. <laughs> well, it is after you've They're done doing a you know, 25 spirals, right? No, it's boring to to explain in a seminar. You know what I mean? Because when you do sort of a breed standard, you do the the angulations of the legs, you do, but the spiral is just going round, round, <laughs> round. And and I think, God, what can I explain to them while I'm doing the same? Go round again. So we just go round. You know again. what I mean? <laughs> so it's not easy, but they're sort of like this. With oh my God, yeah, and they're like yeah. wow. And I'm like, oh God, <laughs> wow. So I, my first spiral took me like eight hours, right? Until I started doing seminars and I started doing spiral after spiral after spiral after spiral. So now I can do a spiral, a standard poodle, about an hour and a half. Wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's yeah. like training, like an athlete. Mm. You've got to train. You've got to do it every day or every three days or every week. You've got to train. Yeah. 
The same with grooming competitions. You've got to train like an athlete against yeah. the clock and you'll do it. But it's not that. It's the practice of doing it every, every day over yeah. and over again. Okay. So this is when you started adding butterflies. You're like, I'm done with the yeah, spirals. I've, right. I've got to, I've, yeah. I've had enough of spirals. I've got to, yeah. I've got to do something different from the spirals. Because everybody used to ask me for spirals. I spent about four years doing spirals all around the world. I was well, fed, up with fed up with it because not every dog has a good coat. Um, and it's really difficult. It's a, you know, and I, I mean, I don't do a seminar. I don't do it to show off my work okay I just do it to show my technique I don't care what the dog looks like afterwards you know what I mean because you can't always have a good dog on the table in the seminar it's not always easy mm. I mean I don't complain but it's not always easy because then they'll see the photos and say, oh my god look at the mess you made obviously when sometimes once in Canada I got a white standard poodle that hadn't been bathed in four weeks right on the table to do a spiral honest to god I'm not lying um and I say it a lot in my seminars because I was brushing the standard poodle out and I thought, oh, she's quite dirty. You could feel the dirt, the dust. Oh, how do you get a nice finish? I said, yeah. why did you bath this dog? And I thought she would say two days ago. Um, and she had to think about it. She said, oh, <laughs> four weeks ago. I thought, I thought, bloody hell. Really? Yes. But I did a spiral, okay? And then you get an, um, a soft-coated, chocolate-coloured Labradoodle in Australia, you know, with the wavy. Wow. I did it as well on that. Wow, that's it. impressive. Um, well, not really. <laughs> I <laughs> <was> saw it. <laughs> it didn't look bad, honest to God, it didn't look bad. But, you know, I wasn't satisfied, obviously, but you can never be satisfied in these seminars you know what I mean? Because you can't do a good job in a seminar. I mean, not well. You, you've like, got I to like groom it. I think the the hardest thing I find is you've got to groom at a funny angle so everybody oh, can see. So you've got awful. scissor, but so for the audience, I find it's that really awful. hard because normally I'm right in front of the dog. But you can't concentrate either on what you're doing because mm. you've got to be. I'm always concentrating in my public. I'm always concentrating that. Oh my god, there's a silence. Um, I'm always talking all the time. I mean, yeah. they always say to me, I don't know how you finish that dog because you don't stop talking. <laughs> and sometimes I don't finish. Sometimes I think, oh, fuck it, right. What time this is it? Right. Here we go. We'll do one side. Um, because I don't stop talking. Why? Because I really enjoy what I'm doing. Um, yeah. And when I'm nervous and I'm enjoying something, I talk and talk and talk and talk. And sometimes I talk about things that haven't got anything to do with what I'm doing, but you've got to make it you've got to make it um you've got to make the people happy and enjoy themselves mm. it's not just about you know this angle that angle um you know what I mean you've got to make them enjoy themselves yeah, yeah. and adding your personality is just it's nice <laughs> people want you know people well, want personality don't they yeah that's what you need to be on stage you need personality and if you haven't got it you know what I mean it's yeah. not just a question of, of showing your techniques or transmitting what you know. It's a question of having charisma and being able to, to plug people into you, <laughs> you know, and having them there all day looking at you and, and laughing and having a good time. You know what I mean? Mm. So that when it comes to, to the end, they'll go, oh, is it already finished? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's very difficult. It's not easy doing seminars. It's not easy. But I love it. I love it. And I'm quite scared actually going back because I've it's been so long. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a year and a half, maybe two. You're like that rusty old pair of scissors now. Christ, yes. And my body's rusty as well because <laughs> I can't do anything. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. It's, it's going to be a moment when we can get back anything. to events, isn't it? Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, I put on about 10 kilos as well. Does, your grooming, does your grooming top still fit? Nearly. <laughs> yes. So well. with um, with these spirals and carving and everything like that, obviously, would you, it was all about the prep, right? Oh, of course it is. Yeah, that is the the base of a good groom is the prep. It's the most important part of it all. Not uh, not the drying, the bathing. Okay, it's amazing how 
So many groomers don't know how to bath a dog properly, mm. don't know how to really clean it. Don't. Um, I'm, I'm not anti-product, right? But I always believe that the only thing a coat needs is a good shampoo. Mm. Not even conditioner, just a nice shampoo. Yeah. And a nice, clean, crispy clean coat. Yeah. Two shampoos? Yes. Okay. That's all a dog needs. A crispy clean coat. Obviously, if it's got a bit of, if it's a very dry, brittle coat, obviously you need to put conditioner, lots of conditioner. Um, But really, I think we use too many products. Far too many products. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes I see groomers that will wash a dog. They'll put, God knows, well, you, they'll start off with one shampoo, then they'll do a second bath with a different shampoo, which yeah. I don't understand, that they mix shampoos. Why? You know? Oh, you shouldn't we, mix shampoos, okay? Unless you do a, you use a really cleaning shampoo before you use a treatment shampoo. But using two or three different shampoos on a dog at a time, that's ridiculous. Mm. Then they, after that, conditioner. They leave the conditioner on for God knows how long. Then they rinse it off. Then they start drying. And then they start with the sprays, the texturizing (laughs) spray, the God knows what else spray. And I'm thinking, why the fuck has she washed that dog? With all those sprays she's putting on it. No, I believe in just a clean coat with a good shampoo and a good conditioner, obviously. Um, The texturizing sprays, it's just like, it's just hairspray watered down. You know what I mean? You get rid of hairspray, you water the hairspray down. That's a texturizer, right? So I'm not anti-product, but I think we should look, use less. Yeah, but your advice there is... Uh, use more shampoo. Yeah. <laughs> but all this shit that they bring out, is just too much for me. Too much. I never use it. Never. Honest to God. No. I mean, a bit of hairspray if I need it. Well, I'll use it. Hairspray. Yeah. But... Um, we use too many products on the dog coat and that suffocates it. That suffocates the coat, okay? It can't breathe. So then if it can't breathe, it's not going to grow nicely. You know what I mean? You need a nice, clean, crisp, loose coat. That's what you need. Okay. And our uh, our wallets are going to thank us for your advice there because uh, let's face it, you know, when there's a trade show or anything on, everybody's buying those products. (laughs) Of course. And they all need to buy my shampoo. Which is the rosemary and lavender shampoo. And what's the make? It's Petrux. It's Isabella's. It's called Isabella shampoo, right? It's P E T U X E, right? Yeah. Petrux. Yeah. I didn't actually know. I I knew about. It. I didn't know how to pronounce it. I was <laughs> like, is it Petrux? Petrux. Petrux. Oh, amazing! Um, it's um. Well, I've never done a shampoo in my life, but I'm fed up of all these shampoos. I'm really fed up with them. I'm fed up of mm. all these strong scented shampoos, all these mm. that have got God knows what else in them. Um, and I thought, God, can't we just have a natural shampoo um, with the smell, with a with a smell that dogs like this smell? And yeah, um, I got the idea of natural that, fragrance. I got the idea of lavender and rosemary because the country dogs here in Spain, they rub themselves against the wild lavender right and after that they go to the rosemary because here i've got it growing wild here and then they yeah. rub themselves against the rosemary and when I they absolutely come they smell of lavender and rosemary but why because it's it repels the fleas it repels the flies it repels everything it keeps it it softens their skin it relaxes them and they obviously seem to like it if they rub themselves in it every day mm, wow that's inspired yeah so i thought right there must be something they like about it. So, yeah. and if you look at the properties of lavender and the properties of, of mm-hmm. rosemary, the Spanish gypsies have used it all their lives for the hair. Mm-hmm. The ladies, they, they, they rinse their hair out in rosemary water. Okay. And they've got these black, thick, gorgeous hair. tresses. Yeah. I mean, I do the same, right? I'm 52. Look at my hair. You've got good rosemary hair. oil and rosemary water. It's marvellous for your hair and for your skin. Um, it's got things that people don't really know, but it's wonderful. And you won't notice it on the first bath, obviously, but on the third bath, you will see how the coat looks healthier, has grown a lot more, mm-hmm. and is shinier, and it's sort of got more texture to it. You know what I mean? It's got more life to it. 
Wow. Um, and it's because of the essential oils it's got in it. Where did you get really, it in the UK? Um, I don't know if Matt, I think Matt needs to sell them. I'm not sure. Do they? But yeah, they, they were selling it. Fab. It does sound inspired and I totally, I understand all the properties of lavender, obviously. Oh, it's, and it's just um, a, it's a transparent shampoo. It's got no colorants, no perfumes, just smells of lavender and rosemary. Gorgeous. So you've also shown dogs, haven't you? You've shown poodles and you've shown bichons, is that right? Yeah, and Scottish terriers and, and schnauzers. I used to be a handler here in Spain. Wow. I used so to, is, is that something you still do? Is it no, because uh, I got a bit bored of it, actually. You come to a point when you just get fed up with it. It's... You have to, it's a lot of money each time you go away for the weekend. Yeah, it does. It's, it's a, a lot, lot of hard money. Mm-hmm. Especially when it's standard poodles, you have to spend two days preparing them. And you just get there and sometimes you go into the ring for about 30 seconds or a minute. And you think, God, I've been two days preparing my standard poodle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's been in the ring for one minute and the judge hasn't even looked at him. So, you know, you sort of get a bit tired of that. That's why I'm going smaller and smaller. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm thinking 20-minute bath with my toy. Yeah. So when I started handling Scotties and, and Schnauzers, I thought, God, this is so much more easier than a standard poodle. Yeah, but then you've got all the rolling of the coat. That's Yeah, but the preparing the two days before isn't so bad. It's with no. standard poodles, you're two days before working, working, and then you've got to travel to the show, and you're just knackered. And then you know, you've got to do the hair again. <laughs> You know, with Scotties, you can just, you know, you do them about a week before. You don't even have to wash them before. And it's just like, open the cage, brush them out and take them into the ring. <laughs> I, uh, I started oh showing um, Dobermans. We used to just literally just get a pack of baby wipes out. Baby <laughs> wipes, <laughs> treble the nails, in you go. Exactly, you know Very what I mean? Yeah, I got a bit tired of it. I was, I've been years and years and years of showing. God, I've won lots of best in shows with my standard poodles. Mm-hmm. Um, until I got sort of fed up with it. Mm. Mm. You did, you, you've, it. Do, you've done it and you enjoyed it and now it's... I haven't changed chapters since I closed my grooming salon and started doing seminars all over the world. I stopped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You've obviously had such a successful career, but what would you say are your proudest moments? In this moment? Mm, proud? Oh, God. Uh-huh. I'm proud that I've... I've actually travelled all over the world because, I, like I said, I've never believed or thought I'd do that. I'm, I'm proud that I've travelled all over the world and lots of people know who I am. Yeah. Um, because I always thought, God, I can be a bitch, you know. I thought, nobody's going to like me. Nobody's going to like me. But when people start <laughs> saying, oh, I love you, oh, you're wonderful, oh, you're fantastic, that really does, that just... And it goes on and on and on and on. So it made me think, God, maybe I am a good person. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you've got something to give. Because I've always had parents that have always knocked me down all the time. You know, my mum was never proud of me. She always used to say, oh, you're a dog groomer. Mm -hmm. You know, she's never been proud of me. My father were you. So they were always knocking me down. So when all of a sudden people start saying nice things about me, I think, wow, I must be nice then. (laughs) But I'm proud of that, of traveling everywhere, being yeah. who I am now, yeah. and doing the amount of seminars I've done. You're so well-respected, aren't you? And it keeps I mean, going. It keeps going and going. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you can get people that all of a sudden come up and they go, they do lots of seminars, but it'll probably last them a year or two years. Mm. Because obviously, yes, they're, they're good groomers, but they don't know how to transmit, transmit their, their knowledge. They're boring. Okay. You've got legs. Pardon? You've got legs. You're lasting. You've got legs in the industry. <laughs> so you've got to know how to entertain people at the same time if you want to keep going mm. because people get bored of you. You know, you've, it's a big responsibility to do a seminar and that everybody goes home happy because if, some, if you get one or two people that go home that are not happy, you've mm. had it. Because they're going to go around everywhere saying to me, oh, no, she was awful. Oh. So it's a big responsibility. You've always got to be on top. You've always got to be there. And you've got to always have them happy. Um, 
and sort of entertain them. Yeah. Not just show them what you're doing or explain what you're doing, entertain them as well. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, and always have a smile on your face and never complain. (laughs) (laughs) I never complain. Well, I do complain. Actually, Verity, I'm lying. Anybody who's hearing this will say, that fucking liar. She's right, moaning, Minnie. (laughs) (laughs) But no, um, I'm happy. We try not to complain. No, I I complain about everything. (laughs) I I think I like complaining, actually. You're British, of course you do. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Actually, I feel more British than Spanish, although I've lived here all my life. Mm. Um, I miss Britain and... I'd love to go back and live, honest to God. Um, And people say to me, well, you know, Spain's wonderful. I said, I hate the sun. I hate it. I hate the heat. (laughs) Yeah, you're getting into your hottest months now, right? And every time I go to England and it's raining and whoever picks me up at the airport, um, I'll say, oh, great, isn't it a beautiful day? (laughs) She's there spinning in the rain. Rain as a chance. (laughs) Hallelujah, it's raining. And they'll go, Oh, my God, she's crazy. No, I love the rain. I love the cold weather. I love the storms. I hate the sun and the hot weather. I think if you have the sun every day, how do you appreciate a nice day? Yeah, there's such a vibe in the UK when it's really hot. You know, after spring and we start getting these really hot days, there's like an energy everywhere. Like right. everybody is happy. <laughs> Everyone's smiling. Town's so busy. You know, the guys get guys, the guys get the tops off, don't they, and throw it over the shoulder. I mean, the sunshine is very important, you know, for our energy, for our for vitamin, vitamin D, D. yeah. Um, and I must admit that when it's here in Spain, when we've got about three or four days cloudy and grey, well, I do start to think about the British. I think, God, yeah. I can imagine it does get a bit, you know. It's a drag. Grey and, yeah, yeah, it, I can imagine it. But I prefer that to sunny days, hot mm. days. Sometimes it's so hot here. Oh, my God. I've yeah. got to get all the animals inside because they can't breathe outside. It's like a hot wind that comes over from Africa. Um, you open the door and it's like an oven. It's like opening the door of an oven. Vroom, it hits you. It's hot wind that we get over here. I, can, I, can, I know exactly what you mean. It's that moment when you land on holiday in Spain or Greece and you know when the aeroplane doors open and you stand out and it's like boom hits you it's like (gasps) I can't breathe exactly exactly so that's summer here in Spain you know what Mm. I mean and I don't enjoy it at all no I don't but well but I do I do want to go back to England and live I mean we'd love to have you that's a goal that's a goal (laughs) But you know what? I've got seven dogs, so I don't know what I have to think about. <laughs> it's just, that's a lot of transportation costs. What, I mean. <laughs> you know what, I mean. um, what is it, about a £1,000 a dog? Something like Actually, you could drive them, though, couldn't you? It's not only that. It's finding a place It's you know that you can take mm. seven dogs to. Mm. If I didn't have seven dogs, maybe I'd be living in England. I'd, I'd just get a little apartment. Mm. <laughs> I'd be living in England. But it's a big With, it, with your toothless toy poodle. <laughs> But they love life here in the country. They've got freedom. They're, you know, they're a bit wild. But I, I couldn't shut them into an apartment or a, no, they need their countryside. So it's not easy yeah. finding a place in England. And, no. Especially not in the way of life. Seven dogs yeah. is difficult. I um, think, yeah, I think all landlords would be, nah. <laughs> I mean, I've got three or four that are quite old now. So they've got two or three years to go, you know. So I always say the same. You're whittling down your numbers. Yeah, I'm waiting for them to sort of go. and Yeah. And I'm, that's what I'm doing. That's what I will do. But I'm definitely going back to England. Definitely, definitely, definitely. I miss it so much, so much. Um, I haven't sort of been, I haven't sort of connected with the Spanish, really. But I connect automatically with the British, you know what I mean? Yeah, my, you know, my cousin, she married a French man. She lives in France. Yeah, and she's she's the same. She's like I miss Leeds so much. Incredible. Yeah, she's got two children, and um, you know, so her life is in the south of France. But she's found it really difficult to connect with people over there as well. And and, yeah. and she's fluent French, you know, like like you are with your Spanish. But 
I think it's just a different mentality, maybe. Oh, no, it's different. It's totally different. It's totally different mentality, culture, everything, mm. you know? Mm. Here, when I when my kids were young, the every well, my friends used to talk about ironing, cooking, and cleaning the house, and the floors were shiny. And I, that sort of, you know, I thought, bloody hell, you know what I mean? And I was always the odd one out, always, always. Mm. And um, yeah, that's the problem. But when I go to England, it's like, oh my god! And I yeah, know that we we're... talk about our bad waxes and, <laughs> and and what time we rolled in on Saturday night, despite the fact that we're parents. Exactly. <laughs> that would be oh, they would be disgusted. Um, so yeah, I haven't sort of fitted in here really. But yeah, they have accepted me, you know. But. No, I fit in better in England, and I can't wait to get on that plane tomorrow. I bet you, when I sit on that plane, I'm going to cry. <laughs> yeah. And you know I'm what? When I'm home. When, yeah, when I'm when we're going over, when we're going into England on the plane, I sort of look over. I cry. I cry my eyes out. Really? Oh, wow. God. Yeah. So it's that connection. It's that. So yeah. So yeah. in this episode's breed focus, we're going to talk about the Chinese crested. Right. The Chinese crested evolved, they think, from either the African or the Mexican hairless breeds. In ancient times, the Chinese reduced the size in the dog. They loved to miniaturize things. This made for a convenient sailor's helper charged with catching disease-carrying vermin in times as early as the 1400s when the plague was savaging the world's population. They nicknamed the breed the Chinese ship dog. Due to their travelling past, pockets of the variations of the breed could be found in Egypt, Turkey and South Africa, to name a few places. They come in two varieties, both with a tremendous set of ears. The hairy version and the, well, bald version, (laughs) which only has hair on the bottom of its legs, a plume on its tail and a crest on its head. Although it's not uncommon for them to grow hair elsewhere, including maybe a beard. Uh, The hairless can come, obviously, in a variety of colours, but these are depicted by their skin colour. So ranging from pale flesh to black, and they come with or without speckles and spots. So despite this lack of coat, they actually do require grooming. Okay, I admit it. I know very little about these dogs. And although I've groomed a powder puff variety, that's the coated variety, I've never even groomed a hairless Chinese crested. They look really sticky to the touch. So, Isabella, are they clammy cuddle monsters? Um, they are. They're, mm, I've, I had a powder puff, Freddie, a white powder puff, many years ago. Mm. He was lovely. He was really funny. Mm. Um, and the coat was beautiful. He was like a miniature Afghan, you know. Are but they like a terrier in temperament then? Yeah. A little bit. They've got a mixture. They're very primitive. They're very primitive. Very I've, old, aren't they? I've got one here. This is this is my Latina. Can you see her? She's not, <gasps> oh, I can't. She's not had a ear shaved, mm-hmm. but she's very primitive. She's from Russia. She's wow. very small. Got small ears. She's actually very pretty. Yeah, she is. <laughs> um, <laughs> she's a bitch. You know what? <laughs> they. They are so difficult to train, okay? Mm-hmm. They, as they are primitive, they are very primitive, and they mm. do their own thing. Um, you can't train like, them. Like an Afghan? Oh, God, yes, yes. I mean, all primitive dogs are the same, right? But right. these are different because these sort of shake, and they look like poor little things, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then when you turn around, they're doing something. You know, they, they, they're really, really, they're escape artists. Mm. Um, because they used to crawl up the up the wooden boats. They used to crawl. They used to climb. So they, that's why they've got like hair feet, you know, so they can climb up. Oh, wow. And they're escape artists. They're escape artists. They escape from everywhere. They're difficult to train. Mm. Okay, they're very loving. Whatever you want, but they are very stubborn and difficult to train. And you've got to understand them. It's a bit like an Afghan, like you said, you know. Um, but I recommend them for somebody who lives in a flat or somebody who, because I mean, my one, I haven't bathed in about a year, I think. Wow. Wipe with <laughs> That's probably, um, you know, with uh, <laughs> having laughing. But they are primitive. So they're probably as well 
you know, with their skin, maybe over grooming can create an oily buildup, which obviously then creates all the acne and things that we see this problem with them. So maybe they are better being left. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So they're best just to leave them. I mean, let me see if you can see this one. Look at her bump. Look, she's never, she hasn't been touched in a year. And she's her skin looks fabulous. I mean, look, she's got little bits of hair coming out here, but that's mm-hmm. normal, you know? Yeah. True crested. Half of the crested that you see in the ring um, are powder puffs. That have been shaved down. Of course. Okay. She's looking at me like saying, what are you doing to me? She's very loving. Because <laughs> obviously she doesn't have such profuse hair on the bottom no, of the legs, does it's she? very, very fine. Yeah, she's like you would probably expect with the jeans. Yes. She's yeah. a, a real crested, okay? Mm. She's authentic. What you see in the ring nowadays, they're like powder puffs that have been shaved. Okay. They've got too much coat on their, you know, on their feet, on their so they've been shaved. They're just powder half of them are powder puffs, oh. shaved powder puffs. Do they so do they like clip them down and then literally bit grazer them? Yeah. Flipping heck. Didn't know. I mean that. except when you put a 40 against the coat, because it's such a fine coat, well it'll just mm. come off, you know, it'll just yeah. come the skin. Mm. Um but most of them are are a powder puff. Which would make sense because the powder puffs have a double coat, whereas the hairless variety just have like a single coat. So yeah. Yeah. to get that profuse hair, it doesn't go with the hairless gene. No. So no. what you're saying you makes hair, sense. You, you should be able to just pull those little bits of hairs out that grow over her back. And, and I pull them out, you know, like a stripping sometimes. They mm. just come out. That's a yeah. true hairless, you know, not wow. nowadays. But I think all breeds have changed. <laughs> Mm. All breeds have got more coats. All breeds are, you know, they're changing and they're getting... Yeah, they are, yeah. too much. It's getting too much. Um, I think there's a lot of breeders out there nowadays that are trying to hark back to days of Europe. I know they are with the Bulldogs, obviously German Shepherds and Dalmatians. They're trying to put back in the natural spotting exactly. gene, aren't they? They're ruining their structure and mm. then they have problems when they're older with the bones and the joints and everything. So, yeah, yeah. We need to go back a bit. Well, I've learned a lot from that. So that's amazing. So now we're at the end of episode 13. I'm going to finish things off by asking Isabella some quick fire questions. Okay. So I just want really quick, honest answers. No bull. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Are you ready? Of course. Okay. So what's your dog food of choice? Oh, that you've given me a difficult one there. (laughs) Cause I, I get a cheap make here in Spain. Okay, well, it's just, very good. Just, been eating just it lie. Just lie. Week. It's called Willow. It's a very cheap one. But I give them three times a week. They get fresh chicken, raw mm-hmm. chicken. Yeah. You know the the the, the carcass. Yep. They get that three days a week. Okay. So I don't just give them dry food. They get yeah. a mix. Okay. Yeah, that's the raw really chicken good. is the best thing you can give a dog. Raw chicken. Absolutely, I completely okay. agree. And when the bones aren't cooked, they're soft. They they bend. They they you know you should never give them cooked bones. Okay. And lots of people say to me, "Oh, how can you give your dogs raw chicken?" Oh, that's what wild dogs eat. You know, they eat birds, mm-hmm. and they mine love it. They know the days that they're getting chicken. Oh my god, they love it. I mean, even my toy poodle who's got no teeth, I give her a chicken wing so that she can suck on it. <laughs> Oh, oh my god, adorable. It's been hours. Like a little <laughs> But you know, she loves it. They do love it. Well, actually, this podcast is obviously sponsored by a raw dog food company. Is it? So, oh, yes, 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 yeah. Na- natural instincts, they oh, are all about the raw. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll get brownie points. <laughs> so, your favourite place to walk? My favourite place? Oh, the, the, the mountains. <laughs> yeah, amazing walking with near you. Uh, number of dogs under your roof, I think you've already said. Seven. <laughs> Seven. <laughs> if you were a dog, what breed of dog would you be? Oh, obviously a standard poodle dog. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's, a pop- it's a popular answer. <laughs> What's your favourite holiday destination? Oh my goodness. Well, my favourite holiday destination up until now has been Tasmania. Wow, my goodness. <laughs> Fantastic. Now, what's your worst nightmare dog breed to own what would it be um or a chow or a sharpay or mm, yes no no i was i don't like these japanese and chinese breeds okay 
Mm-hmm. Once I had an Akita in to be birthed, and he broke my arm in four oh, places. Oh. I was in hospital for 10 days. Oh my god. He pulled my arm off. <laughs> yeah, I've got four of I've got five nails in my arm holding it together. Oh, yeah, I was in hospital for 10 days. Huh? Wow. So he, li- he literally pulled my arm off. I don't know if you can see. I can see. Yeah, there. Wow. Oh my goodness, mate, I can see that as well. That looks... This was about 15 years ago, yeah. Oh my goodness, not even that long. So that's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining me, Isabella. We would be absolutely delighted if you gave us both a follow on Instagram. Isabella can be found at Isabella Exclusive Grooming, where you can catch up on all her latest seminars, her products, things like that. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the podcast. Don't forget to rate, share, and subscribe to Pod on the Dog. And a really big thank you to Natural Instinct for sponsoring this episode. If you fancy changing your dog to a natural and fuss-free way of feeding a raw diet, then head over to their website and apply the discount code VERITY15 for discount. How great is that? Much love!